Only on a Sunday, a podcast about more than church. Welcome to the Only on a Sunday podcast. My name is Daniel Lowry. I'm not joined by my wife, Kristen, this time. Uh, we're doing a very special episode on the Ukrainian refugee crisis as an outworking of the war between Russia and the country of Ukraine. I have the honor of interviewing one of my dear friends in life, definitely top five friends in life. My friend, Christoph, I'm about to butcher your name, so please hold the laughter, okay? It's Krzysztof Trochumiuk. Am I even close, dude? I would say close, but no cigar, but I would say far and no cigar. Yeah. <laughs> Krzysztof Trochimiuk. Okay. Thank you very much. My, As you can see, my Polish is not very good, but uh, we'll, we'll just go with Chris for now so that uh, everyone, you know, can pronounce your name from all over the world. So we're joined with Chris, who lives in a little town called uh, Navitarg, about uh, 45 minutes south of Krakow. He is right in the midst of the Ukrainian refugee crisis. He has a family living in his house. He's feet on the ground. And so we wanted to take this opportunity to interview him to find out what's going on. And more importantly, what is Jesus doing? And even more importantly, what is a normal everyday guy doing about it? Hmm. So with that being said, let me tell you a little bit about our friend Christoph. He is a husband to one wife and father to three young children, 14, 11, and 7. Like I said, he's from Poland and lives in Navitarg. His personal life-changing encounter with God came in a Catholic charismatic group, and he has worshipped in a number of different denominations and movements, including the Vineyard, Baptist, Pentecostal, Church of Evangelical Christian, New Frontiers Church, Every Nation Church, Church of God, but he currently finds himself as part of the International Church of the Foursquare Gospel. He is a bivocational church planter who has a PhD in linguistics and has been working in the academic context for 18 years. He is involved in a number of different ministry formats, starting from church planting and pastoring a small house church to being on a team championing growth of young leaders in Europe through the KWAM ministry, to being an educational facilitator for the Baltic Nordic region of the Foursquare Churches, to being on the Global Writing Committee for the Foursquare Church, which prepares theological resources for the Foursquare family globally, to being a multi-denominational team working on establishing a theological seminary in Krakow, Poland, where he is also involved though to a much lesser degree degree now, was Serve the City Polska Foundation, which is an organization that was kind of founded and headed up by our friend Travis that seeks to serve the needs of people in an in everyday setting. So my friend Chris, thank you for joining us. Well, thank you, Daniel. Oh, what an honor to be on this podcast. Thank you for inviting me, and I'm looking forward to how Lord is going to shape our conversation today. Yeah, you know, you and I were just chatting, uh, I don't know, maybe a week ago, maybe a little bit more, just as our normal, you know, kind of catching up. And you were sharing a little bit of what was happening there and what you guys were doing. And I was just 
astounded at how you guys are are helping and what Jesus is doing there. And you know, I I live in the U.S., so I'm very very far removed mm. from anything going on, right? But I know that it's a big problem. You know, we get reports that there's a million or more refugees fleeing the country, and Poland being right next door. I'm assuming that the brunt of them are coming to you guys. So like I said in the beginning, really, really wanted to take this time to find out what Jesus is doing and maybe bring some hope and some encouragement to people. And hopefully mm. anyone that's listening, maybe if you felt you feel the purse strings, you know, you want to loosen the purse strings a little bit or help them with what's going on. I, I can tell you I have personally, and I know that I know the people and I know it's going to, you know, where we want it to go. So um, with that being said, brother, tell us a little bit about who you are, uh, where you came from, you know, kind of your upbringing, calling into ministry. Yeah, just share with us a little bit about who you are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, the introduction that she gave was was really spot on because it succinctly talked about who I am. But kind of going back a little bit further back is to meeting the Lord for the first time. That, as you mentioned, was through a Catholic uh, charismatic fellowship, and, and later on there was there were different uh, moments and experiences with different churches and different denominations that gave me the appreciation of, of the beauty of different expressions of faith. But the actual first encounter with God that left a mark in me happened before I gave my life to Jesus in this Catholic charismatic community meeting. And that was basically two days after my mom died. I felt really closely God's presence and his comforting me and saying that I would see my mom. And that was such a strong encounter that gave me joy in spite of the circumstances pulled me through the, the the whole funeral experience. And when I look back, this is the first encounter. But when it comes to my spiritual spiritual growth, um, there, there were different seasons. And when I'm talking about my mom's death and her funeral, I was seven and a half years old, so I was a little child. But after the encounter of, of God in the Catholic Charismatic meeting, which was actually during during worship when i felt the presence of god i was so so touched by by the the fact that god exists that he forgives me all all of my sins that he is a good good father that he cares for me and he cared for me also in in the in the moment when my mom died and he was there with me that i immediately felt a, a, a need to respond to it. So it was, it was even in that moment that I felt that I wanted to, <laughs> to serve God, serve, uh, serve Him in any way possible. The only thing that I asked Him, I remember, is maybe do not send me to Africa because I don't, I don't feel uh, that this is the continent that, that resonates with, with my heart. But, uh, you know, I can do whatever. This was obviously a very immature response, but still it was there, the readiness to, to serve Him. And even though it, it was in the Catholic charismatic setting, I did not find my, myself uh, as being able to be a part of the Catholic Church, like kind of grow because of some other formal aspects of uh, what it required to, to from me. Uh, so I, for a longer period of time, I was I was a little bit of a lone ranger, always appreciating God, always always a believer with, you know, quite a few moments of falling and tripping up on, on my sin, but never, never losing my faith. And I remember that it was in, in, 
during the time when I went when I went to the U.S. and and I was there, I went went there to be a nanny because that was the only legal way to to go to the U.S. That I encountered this beautiful quaint vineyard church, and by oh, I have got to jump in, dude. Like you never told me that you were a nanny. <laughs> well, because I was a manny. <laughs> You're a manny. Oh, see, this is relevant to your spiritual upbringing, right? This is your this is your uh, Joseph in the cave moment, right? <laughs> now, now, for those of you that are listening, you can't see, but he's got full like lumberjack beard, like that you can only grow when you're from Eastern Europe, right? Like just flush. Now, did you have that when you were a manny? <laughs> it's funny that you ask. I, I tried to grow one, but it was pathetic. <laughs> so <laughs> I was twenty. I don't know, twenty-two, and it, it it didn't grow that way. No. Okay. All right. Sorry, dude. I gotta. Sorry. We we may even cut this out. I don't know. <laughs> I just can't get that. Okay. So you were a manny. Sorry. Go ahead. Keep going. No, it was, and it was uh, when I was in the U.S. that uh, somebody introduced me to the Vineyard Church, and I fell in love with it. Uh, and it was, yes, it was beautiful from the architectural point of view as well, because it was the kind of um, Eastern Coast uh, church with a wooden church with a spire, so you can you can visualize it. But it was the people, uh, it was the community, it was the fellowship, it was it was being accepted, it was being it was family. And that, that was the moment when I realized that wherever I find myself next in my life, because my, my stay in the U.S. was only for a year, that I, I felt it, that the invitation that is clearly also in, in the Bible of, of belonging, of gathering together, is not a command, as a uh, is more of an invitation and a promise, and it comes with so much blessing. Uh, so it com- completely flipped my <laughs> very immature, once again, vision of myself as a lone ranger of faith that, you know, God called me to, to be so unique that there's nobody else like me, and, and, and I'll not find people that will reflect uh, what is in my heart. And I understood that that family is something that God provides as his blessing. So that that really kind of pulled me in in a very organic way of being surrounded, of being invited, of, of being adopted by by a church family. It was it, it was a an incredibly uh, formative experience. And from then on, uh, I went back to Poland uh, and then had another year abroad in France. That's where the Baptist Church comes into picture as, as the only church that was that was alive that I sought fellowshipping with other people. And there was a kind of a windy road because I, I traveled a lot. I, I lived in different, different uh, places, also including Poland. But eventually, I mean, with every step of the way, I would seek a, a place to, to belong and to be part of and to serve in. And so along this journey, you got your PhD in linguistics. And so you are definitely the smartest person we've ever had on our podcast. Um, so <laughs> then you find, you find yourself, you find yourself in, in a beautiful little town called Navitark. Uh, did I pronounce it properly or is it, is it different? Yes, you hit it. Uh, Navitark. Okay. You got it. Yeah. And so you've been uh, at the university there, or you were at the University of Poland for a number of years, and now you're teaching at a different university and a community over. But in this time, you've been a church planter and have a um, 
church community that meets in your home. So can you tell us a little bit about that and and just the dynamics of, you know, working in a university and, and having a family, but then, sure. you know, just kind of planting a house church? Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, uh, like from the from the very first um, encounter with God, I, I I knew that I wanted to serve God, and and that was also in many ways prophesied over me and spoken over me. And there were moments when I would kind of take it in and I would uh, push it out because of some some difficult experiences as well. And trying to serve as as we have to go through this process to, <laughs> to find our maturity in in serving, we we come to to points where. Uh, we encounter some opposition and sometimes it's from the outside of church and sometimes it's from within the church itself and but with that 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 gave me some maturity some further maturity and also realization that this calling is legit this is this is a real mccoy calling from god and with that with the heart burning and my eyes getting sweaty over also the city of Novitark and the people crying out to god like i really want them to experience you to taste and see how good you are god started opening the doors and uh, it was also through a lot of mentoring and blessing from the foursquare church there's my family and and that i'm very deeply rooted in but uh, the the foursquare church uh, kind of came assisting not 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 kind of appointing but assisting and recognizing recognizing this calling and for which I'm I'm very thankful so the process of of realizing as to how to how to serve took me from the stereotypes that I had in my in my head like seventh heaven <laughs> for example the TV <laughs> series that paints this yep. this very idealistic picture of what uh, what church looks like uh, but it, it took me to, to a realization that this is not about you, you know even being ordained on having the cert- certificate proving that you're a pastor pastor's ID or it doesn't come through renting a building but it comes through a love for your neighbor and it comes through building relationships with the people around you and it comes through different ways and shapes and forms that are very you, you would call them informal informal evangelization uh, informal but uh, informal but uh, intentional you know, conversations that you have with people that are there that have to be transfused in in love but that started building you know people responding as well to what I shared and out of that we came to a place that we knew that God was calling us as a family to, to plant the church in, in Novitarg. And it's this is a decision that we took a couple of years back. And I, I do not, you know, have a I do not have a report of, of great numbers because we're very few. But I've got a report of miracles, of signs and wonders, of deep relationships, of influence, of being plugged in. And of church, uh, of this kind of, I would call it like underground connections, like that you do not see, you cannot put them on a report card and, and say that uh, this is how many people we have, but I can, I can give you stories. Of, of people, you know, calling, for example, uh, late at night or, you know, just uh, or being healed uh, from, for example, a, a shoulder problem that uh, doctors call and doctors claim that is inoperable. And, and then, you know, after a few prayers, uh, you know, God heals this person and this person moves closer to God. Unfortunately, I cannot give you, you know, the testimony this person fell to her knees and she, she, she became a believer. But what a miracle, and I'm sure that, that this this experience of being healed by God will will lead her eventually to to God. But I'm finding myself, and we are with with my wife. We're finding ourselves free 
to to serve wherever we are we are however we we can and not having this pressure that this person has to suddenly you know say the lord's prayer but just being there with love with compassion and trying to reflect god who's in us and do that to to the best of our ability but in this freedom of just loving just being just building relationships and losing, you know, losing, losing ourselves in that. That's a really great way to look at it. I think in the U.S. here, we have numbers, but we don't have any of the other things, <laughs> right? We don't have the signs and wonders and the deep relationships. Like that is actually fewer and far between. And depending on the numbers you look at, we don't even have the numbers anymore. Hmm. But what I really appreciate about what, what you've been saying is you are who you are. Hmm. You are where you are. And you're presencing Jesus and planting the gospel there. Mm. And something bursts out of it, and then that turns into a church. So, in other words, in your story, it's not like the church dream came first, and then I'm going to presence Jesus. It's the reverse. It's like, we're just going to presence Jesus and plant the gospel and then whatever comes out of that, right? And I also mm. love <laughs> what you say. Like, you're, you're one of the most educated people, you know, that I know. But when it comes to, like, Christian ministry, you know, yours is a story of, like, well, I, I don't really have a whole lot of education in terms of ministry, like, mm. you know, theological seminary and those types of things. And I think it's refreshing for people. I hope it's refreshing and encouraging for people that like the whole notion that I feel God's called me. So therefore I should go get some education. Mm. Like it's just not what would be considered the norm kingdom wise. Mm. Like it's great to do, but you know, here's a guy in the South of Poland, like making stuff happen. And I know for sure, like we've had many conversations over the years of like many people who've been affected by you that didn't stay in that town and move to another town, right? And, and a village and they're kind of continuing that thing. And I think that's where we don't quite understand how the gospel moves and spreads, right? Like, mm it's from those individual touch points and then those people go out to other places and they do the same exactly. and it, it just kind of touches. And over the course of time, you build kind of a, a momentum and, you know, you begin to see the gospel take root. So yeah, good on you, man. Thank you. Mm. But you are, you know, I don't know what, two months ago, you're, you know, at the university going through a bit of a, a you know, transition uh, vocationally. And then, um, you know, you've got your house church and, you know, just kind of continuing to do what you're doing. And then war breaks out next door, mm. literally, right? <laughs> and next door. Mm -hmm. And you are now faced with a refugee crisis in the millions. Mm -hmm. Can you give us, as someone who does live next door, can you give us a little bit about like what's going on? Why is this war happening? What are the effects of it? Mm -hmm. uh, what what I can give you uh, is is a perspective of a of a Polish person, uh, like you said, living next door, and, and a Polish person that gathers uh, the information from the media as well, and that is a limited source. But how we understand in Poland the the conflict, the the war that uh, unfortunately started uh, was started by by Russia in in such a horrific, horrendous, uh, inexplicable way uh, from the point of view 
view of you know the modern day and age of uh, how we are Europeans and and how we share our values seemingly so how we've grown to understand that conflicts do not bring what those people that initiate those contexts initially uh, aspire for the conflicts to bring them as, as a kind of bring benefits. It, it always brings tragedy. It uh, always brings distraction. It, it always costs more than initially than initially appraised or, or projected. From, from uh, our point of view, this is, well, I have to say it, this, this is a statement of evil of a few individuals or actually of a specific individual uh, the president of uh, of Russia who in his heart has this very difficult to understand to comprehend desire to take over the country and by doing that fulfill his dream of of great Russia of bringing Russia back to what it looked like during the Soviet times in terms of the landmass in terms of its influence in terms in in terms of how it was uh, so much of a bully to the to the rest of the world and that doing that uh, with total disregard towards uh, the human cost and and by that I mean the human cost to both sides of, of the conflict uh, not only Ukrainians but also Russians uh, we, we see you know uh, we can observe how any protesters are or any protesters are, are cracked down in, in Russia and the, and the voices of dissent uh, or seeking peace are also quenched quenched and that motivation that was birthed in the heart of one person sends ripples across the the whole of Europe. And it kind of reminds me of of our original sin as well, that the original sin sent ripples throughout the whole universe and affected the whole universe. Uh, what we see is, uh, is there are many faces of Ukrainian people suffering, of, of people that we have personal relationships w- with, as well as church, as through a church context. Uh, so kind of immediate reports of, you know, houses being bombed and, and, and people actually killed that, you know, friends of friends of friends or even our friends, uh, directly so, uh, of humanitarian needs that are uh, could be met very easily, like water or food through humanitarian corridors, but that being blocked by this, by this evil aggressor. We we see that we see people also people that used to live among us as, as Ukrainians who came into EU and among other countries to or predominantly Poland as well to 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 find jobs, going back to fight uh, for their own turf. We we see, uh, but in the midst in in the in the middle of the evil and destruction and and horror we also see the beauty of ukrainians coming together to 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 push back to come united as never before and to to find the the value and their identity that was throughout the many decades throughout many actually centuries uh, different forces were trying to eradicate out of them this tradition or this uh, not tradition but identity is is coming stronger together and it's and it's a beautiful picture but from the point point of view of a polish person who's uh, just on the other side of the uh, of the border obviously we see the refugees we see the the pain as well of people being forcefully displaced of losing the ability to to provide for the kids they they bear necessities and, and streaming into poland and, and through poland also to other countries in order to to find the basic needs to to meet their basic needs to 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 find food to find shelter 
and that also with uh, this in- incredible resilience, tenacity, and understanding that Ukraine will rise up, that Ukraine, Ukraine will push back the aggressor, that re- Ukraine will come out victorious, even if it's from the military point of view is crashed down, it, it will not crush the spirit of the Ukrainians. Nothing will will eradicate now their, their national identity. And I also see as a Polish person the beautiful aspect of our two countries becoming together as well. Uh, Poland has really stepped up when it comes to um, providing help for, for the refugees. There have been already 2.5 million people that had to leave Ukraine because of, of the war. And, and wow. over a million people came to Poland. So we, we, is, when you said millions, you didn't exaggerate. It's 2.5 million now. Uh, refugees, uh, it's, it's, it, this is the highest uh, number of, uh, in, in Europe of people being displaced since the, the Second World War. We're, we're talking about, I mean, this is what we're dealing with. This is, this, this is the scale of destruction of, of human tragedies. Uh, and, um, and, this is, uh, <laughs> and this is also the true face of of the aggressor and, and what what he did. But uh, with, with all of that, we also see that Poland and, and Ukraine are coming together. And we have some history as well that is not so good. And uh, I, I will not get into the details, but there there is some very deep wounds on the side of uh, of Poles and, and Ukrainians. And for me, it's a beautiful picture of, of how God is also using something that is evil to, to, to bring uh, bring a blessing without obviously confusing the evil for, for a good. But th- there is uh, something that I'd like to share later on as well. In the midst of the most deep and, and thick darkness, God is not helpless. He is not scratching his head thinking, oh, what kind of a plan should I make now? God is not limited by time. He He already has a plan. It's the devil that is that is struggling now with, with uh, further scheming and, and trying to find his ways. But, but God has a response that will not only be like symmetrically opposing the amount of darkness, the, the volume of darkness but will be manifold more it's just like where where there's sin the grace abounds so much more where there is this this darkness the light will pierce through it so much stronger the darker something is the uh, the clearer god's light becomes because (laughs) because his light uh, becomes visible in in the place of of darkness and the darkness will not overcome god's light this is what we know. Mm, that's a good word, brother. I uh, was taking my morning walk this morning, and as I was listening to Scripture and just kind of worshiping that passage in Isaiah 61, you know, where he will turn mourning mm. into dancing, sackcloth right. into garments of praise and stuff. So, yeah, maybe that was just God's way of preparing me for this talk. But from our conversations, that seems like what he's doing. There's a lot of mourning. There's a lot of grieving. There's a lot of sackcloth. For those of you that aren't familiar with the references, you know, that's grieving, I guess we would say. Mourning, there's a lot of death. So share share with our listeners, like, what are you guys doing? Like, where's the hope? How, how are you helping? You know, obviously, you're not helping one million refugees, right? Hmm. But, you know, you're doing your part, right? So so share with us the hope. What's, what's God doing? God is uh, 
amazing in, in bringing the blessing out of, out in the midst of the darkness, as I said, and through responding to by faith and listening to where he is directing us, uh, you can encounter different miraculous stories of, of people being touched and people being saved uh, uh, from the most difficult or horrific situations. But as you said, we're, we're not... We cannot uh, respond to the needs of, of a million people, but uh, we can respond to the needs of the people that God puts in our path, like in people that become our neighbors. If we're to, to bring scripture all, once again into uh, into picture that love your neighbor as yourself. And who is the neighbor? The neighbor is the, the person that God puts in your in your path. This person is the, the proximity, uh, not necessarily the, the, you know, the living arrangement that uh, this is the, the house down the street. This is where my neighbor is no the neighbor is through proximity uh, somebody that god puts in your path and and it's uh, from the position of of an open heart uh, to to love on the neighbor god will put people uh, looking at your heart will put people in, in, as your neighbors and and so we as foursquare church in, in poland we're, we're we're very small but uh, god uh, uh, really put us together as a team in, in a very unique ways and we we have travis uh, and i Alexis Milan in, in Krakow, uh, uh, Foursquare missionaries, and through a foundation, uh, Serve the City, that uh, Travis uh, established in Krakow, uh, we, we're, we we managed to, to find uh, volunteers helping us uh, track and, and find shelter for uh, refugees. And we're talking about quite a significant number. It's so over 200 people so far that that uh, were able to, to find shelter, well, were able to, to cross the border safely, were able to have their uh, basic needs met through the, the hard work of, of volunteers. And there, 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 there are a number of people that uh, come together and, and work as a team. And, and not everybody is foursquare. <laughs> And uh, not everybody is is uh, maybe shares the same theology, but uh, but the heart for God is there, and it's a beautiful picture once again of of, of God touching people's hearts and and directing those people to to their neighbors, uh, and and there are some some moments kind of like uh, when you when. Uh, when you think about the word neighbor, that uh, a neighbor can be a person that you're sitting next to on a bus traveling from point A to point B, because this this person becomes your your neighbor. So for us, sometimes it could be the neighbor is the person that shows up that needs help. We contact him or her. Him or her usually it's it's her because we're talking about moms and their their children crossing as the men stay in to to fight. Uh, the Russian aggressors, Russian army. So we build this, we have this moment of a relationship with somebody that is, for example, trying to cross from Ukraine to Moldova. And even though we're in Poland, through <laughs> through a web of, uh, of um, contacts and, and different connections, we're able to make sure that this person is uh, taken care of. But on a more kind of local scale, uh, there, there's a ton of uh, stuff happening as well in terms of practical help. All of us, or most of us, is uh, when it comes to Foursquare, Foursquare Poland, we we have people that are already staying in our houses in, in the places where, where we are. So, for example, once again, when I uh, when I think of Travis and Alexis Milan, they have four uh, four women staying in their house. We have uh, this. My wife and I in our house, we have two families. We have two women with two kids um, that we we manage to 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 bring safely from the 
border um, now several days apart but uh, but managed to, to, to get them to, to our houses also through kind of a miraculous uh, uh, way of, um, of finding information about their needs, finding the ways to, to contact them and, and being able to to establish the, the whole logistics from getting in touch with them before they cross the border and then going to, to the border uh, to pick them up. One, uh, my neighbor and I, because uh, this is where we're talking, you know, I, I shared shared with you before that uh, uh, it's it's uh, the neighborhood that my heart is, you know, for, for the neighbors and their and even though somebody's not a necessarily house church mem- member as the world would see it, it doesn't mean that there there is no relationship that is kind of church like. So my neighbor and I, who and the neighbor, he is a he is a, a doctor. He you know he's got his own family, but we went to, to the border through Slovakia to to pick up one one of those ladies. Her name is Anna. She she came with two kids. Uh, one is five year old um, Agnus and the, the other one is seven old seven year old boy called uh, Nazar and uh, the journey took I think 18 hours total because of the wait up at the border and, and it was uh, we're anxious for for the family uh, when waiting for the border but we're able to to kind of Bring them into the, the the car and bring them home home to, to our place and provide shelter, provide love, provide uh, provide moments of 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 comfort uh, and and just bring moments of or create moments of dignity for them that you, you could immediately sense that uh, we're not immediately right away received as in like it was received in the in a in a way that you know kind of you would call it savoir vivre as knowing how to behave but it it melted something it melted the true love that we offered in our household really melted a lot of the the pain and the hurt and with both with her and the other the other mom, her name is also Anna. It's just like you have many Krzysztofs in Poland. <laughs> You've got, I guess, many Annas in in Ukraine who who came also with two kids. And once again, a, a girl. Her name is Stefania, and a boy, uh, Andri, one year older than uh, than the other two kids. Uh, well, when when they came, we also very intentionally opened our our house to them because we knew there was a contact there was kind of like friends of of Anna's so I wanted to, to for them to to be together and to to have the ability to to process also the pain and the challenges of of their dear man staying behind one of them serving in the army the other one offering you know all kind of kinds of different assistance but understanding that this is something that that is or should be natural that there's you know when i talk about it i do not brag i i, I feel like this is a natural response that should be kind of an on, ongoing basis it shouldn't require a conflict it shouldn't require you know uh, pictures of houses burning and and kids being shot or shelled at when, when trying to use a humanitarian corridor no it it should this kind of response is is a response that i, I believe everybody is called to regardless of where they where they are it doesn't require a refugee crisis as in or a war zone or 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 something that is so dramatic that makes it to the breaking news uh, it's just 
when you open your eyes there, there's and open your heart and we look around there's there, there's so many people that are in similar circumstances to, to the refugees that uh, by your offering something um, like your attention like ability to to invite in and provide some stability you can change their lives you can respond to their need right away beautiful we we've talked you know I, about how the refugee crisis is likely not a short term mm-hmm. problem that it's 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 going to be a long term problem whether that's because the war you know lasts for a long time or because of the damage done in Ukraine like going back to normal won't happen for a long time mm. so with that being said, what is your what is your vision? You you and your team there in Poland. Mm-hmm. What what do you see needs to happen that you'd like to see happen? Mm-hmm. This is a very good question. There are kind of uh, two aspects or two directions that that go around the the response. And yes, I, I completely agree with you that we're looking at long term. And right now, there's uh, there's the immediate that has to be taken taken into account and responded to, like shelter, like taking people and. You know, through the border, taking them in so they can literally warm up after you know standing in in, in a line for uh, many many hours. And sometimes the the line uh, used to be even thirty kilometers long, thirty kilometers long to the border uh, of people trying to 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 flee to safety. So you know, there's the immediate clothes, hygiene products, food shelter, uh, roof over their, their heads. Uh, and, and this is the kind of the immediate, but uh, as you rightly noticed, uh, we're looking at long-term. And when it comes to looking at long-term, we have to think about them finding some stability that will uh, lead them towards uh, some independence, something that would give them the ability to, to find dignity, but in a, in a stable context of, of life. And that is why one of uh, one of our aspects of the of, of the division, how we want to respond, is is for example in Novitark, I'm I'm dreaming of creating a, a center for for Ukrainians where they can come and and uh, where they can learn certain skills like learn. Polish, for example, or learn English and, and become more competitive on the on the job market, but also, you know, find childcare so that, you know, moms can go to work. We're talking about moms, many kids, um, but also, you know, just just be there and, and be able to socialize, to, to you know, to have somewhere to, to sit and, and process certain things with people that will understand what they're going through, meaning their compatriots and and allowing to to just let it out and then have safe environment, but also, and that's that's something that you, you would bring into kind of a, a more holistic picture is just uh, offer spiritual help, offer offer you know prayer for example, and 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 offer the ability to to meet God because <laughs> you know when when you when we look at everything that is going on, we see that the foundations of men have been shaken and exposed uh, when it comes to their vulnerability to war or to the gas prices you name it it's just so so it's not the economy that will save you it's not the army that will save you it's it's not the peace treaties that will save you it's uh, all of the foundations of man are, are brittle next to the the rock foundation that we find in Jesus so uh, even even uh, even though there's uh, 
a huge need to, to look at the practical needs of the refugees in, in me and in us is in Foursquare Poland. There's the understanding as well that uh, what we need to do is ultimately show them or at least give them a choice of, of building their lives on, on the on the solid foundation, on the foundation that uh, will resist any kind of a storm. That the storm, if it, once it hits the, the this rock foundation of Jesus, will will actually will be extinguished by trying to the damage, destroy the foundation of Jesus. This is one of the ideas. The other idea is to to offer a um, a house for the refugees, and that's something that is is actually coming to fruition in, in Krakow as as. We we speak like probably next week we'll 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 be able to uh, to find a place like that uh, so that's that will that that will allow uh, roughly 35 maybe to 40 people uh, to find to find place uh, as in in one house this house will provide help in two in two ways it will provide temporary shelter for those who are kind of transient who are coming through Poland and wanting to go somewhere because the when it comes to the the places uh, uh, for the refugees, they, because of the sheer numbers of their refugees, I think we, we have come to a saturation point. So these are precious. But also some of the rooms will offer the possibility for the refugees to, to find their stability. If they decide to stay in Krakow, they will be able to, to, to stay there and, and build their life to a point that will offer the security and will respond to the desires of their heart as well. And obviously will also be, become a place where they can taste and see that God is good. Uh, so it's it's two different ideas, but yet at the, at the same time, they respond with love and care for the neighbor. And they offer the ability to, to kind of look beyond the current circumstances, uh, to, to look towards the future, to rebuild hope and, and the expectation that life will go on because uh, even though, you know, there are moments that uh, seemingly crush it, like Jesus uh, in the eyes of, of, of uh, <laughs> in the eyes of the devil, he was crushed uh, on the cross and, but he, he rose. And, and this uh, resurrection of life and uh, is something that God specializes in. And I believe that this is also the, the future for the, for the refugees and something we can partner with as well as church as his his representation and that stirring of the heart as we uh, this is something that I, I observe in many churches. I mean, all the churches that I know throughout Poland are responding in ways that are over and beyond. The, this this is an incredible time of unity. It's coming together. Yeah, there are many, many groups that are formed. It's like, you know, my Catholic friend from, from Torin, Marcin, he is uh, going to Ukraine with Radek, who is a Protestant, and there's an American American as well with them. This trio is is doing something that is incredibly, <laughs> incredibly dangerous because they went into Ukraine to to bring some supplies. But also, what a beautiful picture of of church coming together, of of nationalities coming together to come to assistance. So I believe that this kind of sacrifice and this kind of love uh, is bound to, to to bring light and to bring life to the ground, to the turf that is being so, so oppressed by the evil.
Well, I have two really goals or, or hopes uh, in recording this podcast. The first one is to bring some everyday needs to our audience, to people that listen. Like, here's, here's some practical everyday needs that you could give towards if you're looking for a place to give. So you may not be able to answer this question you know, exactly, but maybe just summarizing. To do the vision that you have to start the outreach center, how much are we talking about? Like American dollars? Like, I, do we need a million and a half American <laughs> dollars? Or do, you know, do we need $1,500? Like, give us some sort of context for what would it take to get this going? Hmm. This, this is a very good question. I, I, yes, you're right in saying that I haven't thought about the amount yet. But w- I'm thinking of, of renting something and also inviting others to partner in as well. And so so that the there is a an element also of people being able to, to respond to it on an ongoing basis of seeing it function, seeing it bring fruit, seeing, it, uh, seeing the testimonies of it. But when it comes to the scarcity, Center or outreach center in Novitaric, we're we're looking at basically at uh, probably around five hundred dollars a month for rent. Okay, so just say that one more time: five hundred dollars a month for rent. And uh, I would rent. say that, and that would be in order to, to to bring this place to to be functional. That would be an investment of around maybe five thousand dollars to 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 bring the, to buy the furniture, the equipment, the, you know the to provide the toys, uh, the kids' corner, and uh, so so this is this is a very rough estimate. You cut me off guard. I haven't done you know the 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 maths, uh, but it would be a five hundred dollar per month, pretty much the rental fee, and and around five thousand dollars to to buy what is necessary to to furnish it. Yeah, I just want to in love <laughs> say to if you're listening for five hundred bucks a month and a one time five thousand dollar kind of capital, you know, expense, you could be a part of having a refugee center in Poland and helping these people to experience the love of God, to see mercy in action, to be around people like Christoph and his wife and and Travis and the different people in Poland. Like, I would think that that would be a very hope-filled thing to be a part of. So I just, I just want to encourage people, if you're listening, to go ahead and check out Foursquare Missions Polska, I believe, is the link, or you can do Serve the City Poland. We'll put those links in the show notes um, so you can, you can follow them. And that money's going right to the field. So to my knowledge, there's no administrative costs. Uh, as you can notice, Chris is self-funded. He's a university professor, so it's not going to pay salaries or anything. But um, yeah, so just wanted to thank you for being a part of this episode of Only on a Sunday Special Edition. And my hope in bringing about this episode is that one, you'll you'll be a part of of giving fundraising towards this wonderful effort but the second one is that you'll find the neighbor in your community and you'll find the refugee uh, that you live next to the people that uh, are displaced or don't have a home whether that's spiritually or or socially and that you'll begin to look for ways to minister to the people that are around you with that being said thanks so much for joining us and uh yeah we'll see you soon bye